They're coming. They're coming whether you want them to or not. The holidays are coming. And so that's what we're going to talk about. And when I say we, I mean me and John Wright. Hey, Bart. Hi, John Wright. How's it going? Good, John Wright. Has, has anyone ever done that to you, like where they insist on calling you by your whole name all the time? Yeah, and I have some friends that I only call by their entire name as well. Yeah. You know, like I have a friend called Dave Judy, and I never call him Dave. <laughs> I just always call him Dave Judy. Yeah, it does, when your last name's Campolo, it doesn't happen so much. <laughs> right. Um, but There's too many syllables. I, I, I watched this TV show years ago called Friday Night Lights um, mm-hmm. that I thought was a beautiful show and, you know, a great show about marriage and life and stuff. All, all the good things. I tried to watch it again and couldn't get through it because it, it turns out that on the second watching, there's all sorts of like ridiculously improbable stuff that you just can't deal with. But the <laughs> first time through, it just, it, it's, it's so beautiful. But anyway, there was this little kid who idolized this, the, the football player who lived next door to him and he just always called him Tim Riggins. Hi, Tim Riggins. Tim Riggins, are we going to go to, the, and, and, and it's just so endearing. Yeah. Um, I don't know why it works for some people, yeah. but I do have some people that that's, that's the only thing I do. So John. Yeah. I know you have a question from somebody about the holidays. And I do. It is the right time to field that question. So, yeah, definitely. And and more more moreover, it's about this won't won't necessarily apply uh, outside the U.S. But it's about Thanksgiving. Uh, but Thanksgiving is such a sort of pure holiday. You know, it's just getting together for dinner, and so it it is a very much like applicable to every other holiday that you might be talking about. So this is good. So it says, Bart, I'm planning to go home for Thanksgiving. My uncle and his family are fundamentalist Christians. Because he knows I'm not a believer, he always likes to bring it up, and I know how this always goes. All I want is to avoid the drama, have a great dinner, and catch up with everyone. How do you recommend going into this holiday? Okay, so, I mean, first of all, what I'm thinking is, I'm like, oh, it's it's a fundamental aunt and uncle. Um, okay. But a lot of times it's your mom or it's your dad. <laughs> right, right. Right, or it's your older sister who always bullied you. Or it, it's funny how it depends on, you know, is it in the first circle of relationship, the second circle? You know, I have a cousin, you know, like there's, a, like it, it really, the dynamics change depending on how consequential the relationship is, doesn't True. it? True, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess, you know, it's funny, like as I think about that, I'm like, oh, that person's going home and they're worried about the God conversation, mm-hmm. which, you know, we, we talk about a lot. Um, but somebody else is going home and they're like, my mom is going to comment on my weight. Yeah. She's going to make some subtle, not so subtle comment like, oh, honey, do you want to try the low calorie Nope, yeah, yeah, we just got from the store. It's we just we just had an episode all about that, didn't we? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 And, yeah. and you know, or it's going to be about the girlfriend, or the lack of a girlfriend, or the lack of a boyfriend. Like, hey, are you seeing anybody? And it's just like it, you know, it's coming, and it's going to be painful because yeah, something that you don't want to deal with, a, a topic or. An inter or an intervention or some kind of like uh, 
interaction with your life that you want to avoid? Or uh, politics? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, tis the season, right? We're just coming off the November election, Mm -hmm. um, at least here in the United States. But, you know, the the politics thing is so toxic and it does, it, it, it is a strangely... What's, what's the word? Stereotypical thing for there to be an ugly conversation about politics at the Thanksgiving table. Yeah. Yeah. And, and have we talked about that before on, on the podcast? Probably. But I mean, we, we've talked a lot about what you do when somebody comes at you that way. Mm-hmm. But, but I'm thinking like in some ways, like I want to sort of, ge- I want to answer this person's question, but like, I want to sort of generalize and say like, yeah, we should talk about like just the whole experience of going into fraught territory. I don't want to say hostile territory, but like fraught territory. That's a good word. Yeah. It's it's not necessarily going to be hostile. It's just going to be uncomfortable or something you want to avoid. And so the the person who wrote this letter, Mm -hmm. they actually have done the first thing in some ways is that they know why they're going. Like they have a really clear sense of like, this is what I want to get out of going home for the holiday. I think they said they want, I just want to connect, catch up with everybody and enjoy the meal. Mm-hmm. You're like, yeah. oh, okay. You know, you know, maybe he doesn't cook well and this is an opportunity to get a home cooked meal. Um, or maybe she really like misses people and wants to hear stories and isn't on social media. Like there are lots of good reasons to go home uh, that people have, but my biggest advice to people when they're when they're sort of girding themselves for battle is really clarify why you're going like are you going to make your mother happy are you going to connect with this one person are you going because you think grandma's going to die in the next couple of years and you definitely sort of want to have been on the record with her as caring. Mm -hmm. Are you going- Out of tradition. Yeah, out of tradition or or out of a sense, like sometimes people are going out of a deep sense of loneliness in the sense of, I I don't have the connections I want in this world and this is my family and I desperately want to feel like I'm not alone in the world. Wow, that's interesting. And so I'm I'm going to- Could it also be sometimes like people- they enjoy most of the people at the dinner, but like there's there's going to be one or two like right. this person saying the uncle, you know? Yeah. Sometimes sometimes they're going for yeah exactly they're going for they're they, going they for love, everyone else. Yeah, and this this is the person they have to navigate. Or sometimes you know people are going because they want to have a confrontation, and they're like mm. this this time like I'm going to get my apology. Or I'm going to let them know that I'm gay. Or I'm, I'm going, going to let them know who I am. I'm going to, I, I want to be seen. <laughs> right, right. And, and you know, you, you sort of laugh. Like, I think it's a really legitimate thing. It is. You know, like, we say it like, I want to be seen. But a lot of times people really don't feel seen. And they're like, they keep going back, hoping that this time will be the time. Well, right. And it's a whole thing too, when people go back, are they presenting the the authentic them or are they kind of like playing the role they always play in the family? You know, yeah. like how much are you willing to kind of like let people know who you really are? Yeah. 
sometimes you're going because you you want to feel accepted for the first, you know, like you're like, maybe this time they'll accept me. Or, or, or you want to bring somebody with you, bring a, bring a, a spouse or a partner or a friend, and you, and you want them to feel accepted um, in your family. You know, so, the, so I think like it's really important to sit down and really think through, why am I, why am I going? Like, what do I want to accomplish here? Or what do I want to happen? Like, what's the outcome that I'm looking for? And, and I think the first question you got to ask is like, is it realistic? You know, I remember Marty saying, I used to always go home and thinking like, this time my dad's going to be really, he's going to ask me these kinds of questions and he's going to be interested in me in this particular way. And she's like, I would always come away disappointed. And at some point, you know, you sort of go like, why do I keep thinking it's going to happen? And sometimes it's almost impossible to not hope for this thing that you want so badly. But even if you can't help it, it's really good to identify it. In the same way that you go like, I'm going hoping that my team will win this game. There's really very little chance that's going to happen. But but let's be honest, I'm hoping these guys win. Or, you know, I, I, I'm hoping that, that that something will happen that I don't think is going to happen. Sometimes it's really good to not necessarily dismiss your expectations or your desires, but to temper them with some reality and sort of go like, you know, it's not likely, but this is, this is what I'm hoping for. And sometimes I think people sort of, if you identify an expectation that's really unrealistic, sometimes it's better to go like, maybe I shouldn't go. There, there are a lot of times when people have been traumatized in really, really devastating ways. And every time they go home in this kind of a setting, they come back and it sets them back a month. And they're, 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 they're discouraged and depressed for, for months. And sometimes as an outsider, you look at somebody and go like, you know, maybe this is the year to have a Friendsgiving or the year where you, where you go somewhere else. Some alternative plan. Yeah. And, and of course, like sometimes people are like, oh, that's you, you don't know, it would cause a nuclear meltdown. Like we can't do it. But I think it's really good to, to sort of figure out why am I here? And, so, and sometimes I think to narrow the why and to say, hey, I'm going for grandma. And that's why like this uncle and aunt, I am going to avoid the conversation with them. Like, because that's not the mission. That's not why I'm there. Yeah. That's not, that's not what I'm doing this year. Um, and sometimes even to, sometimes if you set the intention clearly enough, you can then plan around it or even send ahead messages that sort of say, hey, mom, can you seat me at the other end of the table from Aunt Sally and Uncle Joe? Because like, I, I'm trying not to have that conversation. Um, so sometimes I think, and maybe this would be the thing I would say is, is that a lot of this is especially when something's emotionally fraught, sometimes we want to avoid thinking about it before we go. And what I would say is that, that the key would be just the opposite. And that is to really, to really set some intentions, set some preparations. So sometimes it's about boundaries and sometimes it's about thinking like, okay, whenever I'm there, I... I feel trapped. And you sort of think, 
can you, can you plan a business call that isn't really a business call where you go like, Hey mom, you know, um, at some point in in the, you know, at 10 o'clock this morning, I'm going to have, I'm going to have to run out to the car and I've got to, I've got to call the office or I've got to call this person. Or I promise a friend of mine's in real, in real need. And the truth is you are the friend in need. And you, and you plan to call somebody that's a good call for you. Somebody who, who, who's on your side and it gets you out of the fray and it enables you to kind of recalibrate or, or you say like, Hey, you know, can we plan to go for a walk? You know, and, and, and you, and you figure out ahead, like what would, cause a lot of times at the end of it, you go like, gosh, it would have just been so good. I mean, I didn't get any exercise while I was there. Or it's funny how the conversation goes better when we're walking or, you know, I just needed five minutes to kind of clear my head and then I could have come back with the right attitude. And you're like, plan ahead. How are you going to get out? Where, you know, my, my brother-in-law, he, he's, he's famous for this. Like at some point somebody says like, oh, we don't have the cinnamon and stuff like that. He goes like, I'll go. <laughs> he's looking go. for that. Yeah. And he goes, and, and, and I'll go, Hey, you want me to go with you? He goes like, no, 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 you stay, enjoy yourself. It's fine. And he just knows like it's an intense family. Right. A, a, right. A good, a good 45 minute jaunt and he comes back and he's fine. And you're like, you know, it's kind of a joke now, but of course it's like, man, I, I love the Campolos, but, uh, you know, they're very right. intense. I got to get, I got to get out. And so, and so sometimes it's about planning your self care. That's and, good. And yeah. Planning ahead and going like, this is what would be good for me. And I'm going to take care of myself while I'm there so that I can be better for everybody else. Mm -hmm. So I don't get beat up. Um, and I, I'll give you a really classic better self-care. And that is a lot of people get in trouble at home for the holidays when they're drinking. Oh, that's so true. And, and what happens is, is in the moment they drink to get relief. But in the end, a lot of times that loosens things up in a way that causes them trouble. It causes the problem. And so it's a real, you know, sometimes it's a really good thing to, to walk into the house and go like, hey, you know what? I'm actually on a break from alcohol. Mm -hmm. Not going to be drinking this weekend. Yeah, you know, if you can do that, if you're that kind, if if you have that amount of discipline, or sometimes you get a wingman and you say I was to just them, about to say, I, I could imagine maybe saying to my girlfriend, like, "Hey, uh, we're going into this together. Hold me to account. You know, like, don't let me drink more than a couple of drinks, and you know, and 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 don't embarrass me. Like, here's the signal. Just yeah, just just." <laughs> You know, look at me and say like, hey, are you, you know, are you enjoying that wine? And then the person <laughs> will go like, yes, I am, but I think I've had enough. You know, like in, in a sense. Yes. That, so I think, I think there's a, a lot of planning. Like you just, you just, you go like, well, it's my family. I mean, I love everybody. We're so comfortable. I don't need to, I don't need to plot everything out. And you go like, yeah, you might. Um, and so I think that, you know, and, and one kind of planning, preparation planning, I think is really good is what this guy's doing. I, I, I know I want to, I want to, I know what the question's going to be. I know what's coming. They're going to poke at me about God. And sometimes, and sometimes, you know, your mom's going to poke at you about weight or, you know, that whatever it is. And so you, you kind of want to have your, like your, your answers pre-planned. 
it's almost like at a at a debate. Do you remember? Yeah, you're too young to remember this, but there was this great debate where uh, Lloyd Benson was uh, debating Dan Quayle. This was the vice presidential debate way back in the day. I can't even remember what Dan Quayle. I think he was George it's W. Be like 1988 or something, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. I think he was George or, Herbert Walker Bush's vice president, and he was right. This, 88 so, or 92? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah. And so so what so it, what it is is Dan Quayle loves to talk about John F Kennedy and and sort of cuz people he's a young dashing politician. And so Benson's people know he's going to bring up Kennedy at some point. He's going to quote Kennedy. And so sure enough, Dan Quayle at some point goes like, you know, as John Kennedy once said and Lloyd Benson, who's an old guy, looks at him and says, Dan, I, I knew Jack Kennedy. I worked with Jack Kennedy. You're no Jack Kennedy. Ooh, it was over. Like, I mean, 30 years later, I still remember it. But he was ready. He knew, the que he knew what was gonna come and he, and he was ready for it. Now that was ready to attack. What I would say is, as a good humanist, you wanna be ready to deflect. You want to be ready to uh, de-escalate. You want to be ready to maybe do a clear steer away. You, so you want to have those tools. Yeah. So, so, you know, maybe somebody says to you like, hey, are you dating anybody these days? And, and you, you look at them with a smile and you're, you're all prepared and you go like, you know, I never enjoy answering that question. I, do, I just don't do well with it. Um, but you know, I, what I'd love to tell you about is my Frisbee team. <laughs> like, I'm not trying to avoid being in a conversation with you, but the girlfriend, boyfriend conversation, like I, it's just not a good place to go, but you just, you're ready. And you just go like, yeah, you know what? That question's never really much fun for me to answer. And um, it seems to me like you could tailor that knowing the crowd you're going into. Like if you know these people and how it goes well, well enough, then you kind of know what, what might work. Uh, to deflect, right? Yeah. You know, or, or you can think it through with a friend and go like, well, what if I say this? And they're like, well, then what if they say that? And you're like, oh, that, yeah, that's, I don't want to open up to that. Like, cause I'm really sensitive about the Frisbee team too. Um, <laughs> you, so, but you do, you want to think ahead about how it's going to go and have your deflections, if you're going to deflect right there. Yeah. I, I, now here's, here's the best strategy I've got for this one. Okay. The, the aunt and the uncle. Mm -hmm. is what I would do is I would say, okay, get proactive with the aunt and the uncle. Like, don't wait for them to come to you. Go to them and have something that you want to ask them or talk to them about. Like, get curious, take the initiative in the conversation and ask them some questions. So for instance, these funny Christians, you sort of go like, hey, how are things going at your church these days? You're like, no, I don't want to. Oh, yeah, yeah. How are things going at your church these days? And they're like, well, great. You know, people are coming by the droves, or, you know, or we've got this new pastor. He's great. Like, what do you like about him? You know, How, you know, like, what's like, like you're showing curiosity, but in so doing, you're controlling the conversation? Absolutely. The person who's asking the questions is controlling the conversation. Yeah. And, and, and it doesn't always have to be our church. You could ask them about their kids. You could ask them about their house. You could, you know, you, you could say like, what's going on at work with you these days? Why do you do that work? Like, you know, you know, 
What do you like about it the most? And they're going like, wow, Joe is really, you know, he's engaging us. And in now, a are sense, you thinking like that'll deflect where they would have wanted to go otherwise? Well, at the very least, it's going to humanize you. It's they're going, okay, okay. they're going to attack differently after you've shown that you are a nice person. Yeah, that you're like not. You're, a, you're interested in them for uh, for other things. You're not a truculent, a- angry atheist. You're not. Mm-hmm. You're not a, a coward who's afraid of them. Like sometimes bullies, th- if they sense you're afraid of them, that's when they come. Right. And so if you go right to them and go like, "Hey, great to see you, Uncle Joe." Like, "Hey, do you, do you have a few minutes? I, I would love to ask you a few questions about this or that or the other." All of a sudden, he goes like, "This guy's not afraid of me." And sometimes that's some, even if they ask you a question, they're, they're going to ask it in a different tone and, and in a different way. That's interesting. Yeah. The other, the other thing I would say is on that is, is that when people are going to be difficult for you, you want to try to pull them aside and, and get them one-on-one or two-on-one in this case, rather than waiting until they pose the question to you over the table with everyone watching. Audiences really mess up conversations like this because so people, you mean like people so, perform yeah people like if, if you're if you're sitting at the dining room table and there's 10 people and then he does he does it yeah then you say you say you know uncle joe i would love to talk to you about that stuff like after dinner but right now everyone's around i'm just like let's just catch up with everybody and enjoy the meal and then you and i go for a walk afterwards mm-hmm. and sometimes they don't want to go for a walk afterwards because what they wanted to do was perform. What they wanted to do was virtue signal. What mm-hmm. they wanted to do was highlight their spirituality or make, you know, and, and, and the idea of actually having a, a meaningful conversation with you isn't what they were looking for in the first place. Yeah. Um, but sometimes they, they will want to go on a walk with you. And I'm just saying like, it's the same conversation is going to be a lot less loaded if you guys are just out there by yourselves. Yeah, so if you end up having to have the conversation, it's better to do it one-on-one. Yeah. Than Unless the they're a big bully and you're scared of talking to them, like they just make you feel horrible about yourself. And then you're like, hey, you know what, Uncle Joe, like, you know, my girlfriend wants to come along on the walk. Like you bring, you know, or, or mom wants to come <laughs> along. And you bring somebody with you that, that's going to moderate or mediate that conversation a little bit for you. Right. Somebody who, somebody who's, who's going to be a little bit more sympathetic or who's the person's just not going to feel free to bully you or, 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 or belittle you in front of. So it's all again, but it's all about planning yes. and thinking ahead and knowing what's going to happen. The other thing is, is that if it does get into the debate, if it does get into the argument, I mean, I am, I, I do have one deflection here on the politics thing, especially right now, because, and maybe it's because I just had this conversation with this person who spends their whole life trying to moderate and depolarize political conversations. Mm-hmm. But I just thought, so somebody, you know, and, and the funny thing is this particular holiday season, it, it may be the liberals that are the ones that are doing the poking. Right. You know, like, like uh, it looks like Trump is dead, huh? None of his candidates won. <laughs> it's the end of an era. You know, right, or, right. You know, yeah. no red wave here. And, mm-hmm. uh, but I think that like whoever, whoever, Wherever it starts to heat up around politics, I think it would be really good if somebody says, if, if, if that's not where you want to go, if you say something like, you know, the, the political question I'm asking the most right now is, what do you think we can do in this country 
to kind of de-escalate the polar, like the angriness. Like what, what do you think we have to do to get to the place where we can talk to each other again? And so then you're talking about politics, but you're not talking about politics. You're talking about talking about politics. Yeah. And that's a really good subject for a family that are on other sides of the issue is to go, have you seen anything, like, have you seen or done or heard of anything that like makes the conversation better? Like, when have you had your best conversations with people who think differently than you? Yeah, that's good. And, and, and so that's a way in which I think you can engage politics. Right, because it also doesn't feel like a deflection then. It feels no. like directly related to what they brought up, but you're being more constructive than they were planning to be. Exactly. They, 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 they you know, so one of your relatives comes to you, let's say you're right wing, because, you know, so many of the people on our sh listening to our show are, um, and somebody comes at them and goes like, ha ha, Trump's, Trump's dead. And they go like, you know, the question, I mean, I know you want to talk about Trump, but like the question that I am really want to talk about is like, how do we get a better conversation going about politics in this country? Mm -hmm. like, like, I don't feel like the conversation is about issues at all anymore. Like, what do you think we need to do? And, you know, it might not work. They might call like, well, you know, first get rid of all the fake news. All, you, you know, all you liberals are listening to fake or all you conservatives are listening to fake news or whatever. But I think the point is, is that you can keep coming back to, huh? Yeah, that like. I guess I do need to think about my news sources. <laughs> and, you know, like, like, what do you listen to? I was going to ask you what your response would be to that. Yeah. I would say like, yeah, you know, I, like in my, if somebody said to me, what, like, what, what are your news sources? I'm like, yeah, you know, I rely really heavily on the New York Times because I have a subscription to it and it's the easiest thing for me to get at. And that's probably like, What's interesting is, is that that's, and, and the other person might go, like, oh, the New York Times, that's a liberal rag. And he's like, you know. You mean I, the failing New York Times? I, I, I probably, you're right. That, like, I probably should broaden my diet. You know, and like, you know, it's a whole other conversation. But the point is, is that I think that once you get talking about how we talk, I would do the same thing. On, I could do the same thing on the God thing. And go like, I was going to ask, could you do it on anything? Like, could you make this about well, anything? On the God thing, you're like, you know, you know, it's, it, Uncle Joe, it, one of the questions I'm really asking is, is, you know, how do people at churches end up talking to atheists in a way that the atheists will listen to them? And how do, how do people that don't believe in God talk to Christian people in ways that won't offend them? Like, what do you think? And then uh, again, yeah. you've gone meta. You've taken it to an and all of a sudden, not, you're not only that, but you've got you've gotten him thinking about it from your point of view. Yeah, <laughs> like he's suddenly he's thinking like, hmm, yeah. If I were you, how would I do that? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and and then I think like this, and this would probably be the the piece of advice. And 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 uh, you know how it, I don't know if you ever had this experience where whatever the last book you read all of a sudden is relevant in every conversation you're having. Oh yeah, yeah. In this case, the last podcast I heard, right? <laughs> um, the person did this great explanation of reflective listening and how reflective listening de-escalates conflicts. And what they were saying is, is that in an argument, if you discipline yourself, where somebody says something to you like, you 
you, you non-Christians, you know, like you have no reason to have morality and, you know, and you're, you're, you're always, you don't add anything or contribute anything to the world. And I, like, I just don't understand how you could possibly think humanity is going to get better without the intervention of the Holy Spirit, you know, whatever they say. And our tendency is to go like, well, let me tell you, I'll tell you why that's, you know, you're, what you said is ridiculous. And all the time they're talking, we tend to be reloading. And, as, and, and that what happens is, is that when we respond, the other person doesn't feel listened to. And because they don't feel listened to, they don't listen to you. Yeah. And so w- one of the most effective things you can do to deescalate a conflict is when somebody says something to you, to say, okay, so let me see if I've got this right. And this is not about like strawmaning them and saying their thing in the way that sounds the most ridiculous. You say back to them in the way that sounds most reasonable, like you really try to say it back to them. You're like, so what I hear you saying or what I think you're trying to say, or I think if I understand you right, what you're saying is that if you don't believe in God, you don't have, you wouldn't have any reason to be a good person. And, and that makes you dangerous to everybody else. And the person might go, no, 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 that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, and they say, say it again. And then you go, oh, okay, okay. So, so do I have it right this time? What you're saying is this. And you keep telling them what you're telling you, what they're telling you until they say, yeah, yeah, you got it. That's right. That's what I meant. And then you respond. Yeah. And what's amazing about that technique is by the time you respond, first of all, you really do, you, they, they feel heard. They know you're really trying to listen to them. And you've had much, much more time to think about what your response is to that point. So they feel heard. They're more likely to listen to you. You've had time. You're more likely to answer in a reasonable way. And, and what statistics or what, what, what studies would show, like uh, experiments would show, is that if you listen that way to them, they are likely to listen that way more to you. And the whole, com- people, people tend to like, the whole conversation just shapes into a like, okay, do I have you right? Okay, do I have you right? Okay, and, and then you're in a whole other world. Yeah, much more, a much more constructive space. Yeah, yeah. And so I think that kind of lis- like listening where, where you, first of all, you get curious and you ask people questions. And then as, as they're telling you the answer to the question, you go like, okay, I want to make sure I've got this right. And you tell them what they've told you. That can be a real game changer. Yeah. So. And yeah. I mean, it almost seems to me like that is, if you decide to have the conversation, which means that you're embarking on a, you know, a little bit of an adventure or an experiment with them then those things come into come into place. But otherwise, it might be more of like what we were talking about earlier, like a deflection strategy. The clear and open deflection. That yeah. just says, hey, you know what? I, open, open deflection. Yeah. I am, you know, like my main goal here is to catch up with everybody, make my mom feel like totally loved mm-hmm. and enjoy this meal. And so like, can we just like, again, like, feel free, like, I'd love to take you to coffee sometime or, you know, feel free to give me a call sometime. Because what's funny about Uncle Joe and Aunt Jane 
is that they'll hit you at Thanksgiving and then they won't hit you again until the next Thanksgiving. Like they right. don't you call never you. He never says like, hey, you know what? I really am concerned for your soul. Can we go out to coffee and talk about it? Because <laughs> he's like, not really concerned for your soul. Because he's not really concerned for your soul. No. That's not what it's about. It's sport. <laughs> right. And so, and so I think that, you know, and that's what, you know, I, I always quote the great Brian McLaren, my old buddy, who says, when somebody baits you at the dinner table, just slap the slap your forehead and go like, wow, wow, I see things really differently. <laughs> and and don't you know and don't and don't say and anything you pass more. Me the salt. <laughs> yeah. I, wow, I see things really, because he said a lot uh, of times at these at these Thanksgivings, the thing that hurts us the most at these family gatherings is the terrible sense that we have as we walk away that we have sold ourselves out, that we have not been brave or we have not been authentic or we have not spoken truly because we were afraid. And so we end up feeling inauthentic and we end up feeling cowardly. And what he says is he says, it's not important for you to win the argument, but sometimes it is important for you to go on the record. Like say, what if they're attacking somebody else in the family? Okay. And, 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 and you feel, you're like, they're beating up on Joe. And you go like, you, you slap your forehead and you go like, wow. You guys are all really upset with what Joe's doing. And I just have to say, like, I'm not there. I'm not with you. And, 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 and they go like, well, what, you know, what, about, what do you think? He's like, you know what? Actually, I don't think this is a great setting to talk about Joe's life. Or, you know, if, if they're at you and go like, you know what? Again, if you'd like to talk to me about my, my faith at some point privately, I'd be glad to do that. I just, this is Thanksgiving. I'm here for the, I'm here for the food. Like, I, and I just want to say, mom, this is an awesome turkey. You yeah. Know? Like, like, but, but all of this requires preparation, John. You ha you, you're not going to think about this in the moment. One, one thing that I think, uh, and maybe I'm projecting, maybe I'm projecting, but like some of what you just said is fairly direct sounding, you know, like it, it, it's, it's like. Yeah, and some people can't do that. Yes, the tone the You're tone right. is very um, direct, Confi like it, and confident. There's a yeah, confidence and, it, and there. it got very serious all of a sudden. Yeah, kind of thing. yeah, yeah. And most people can't do that. So how do you do it? I mean, I suppose a, a quick deflection because even a moment of like utter seriousness, like a glare across the table, feels terrible to some people. I think I probably am projecting. Like it feels terrible to me. I'm much more likely to. Maybe try a form of humor with it or something. I don't know. Yeah, but, but again, you got half a sense of humor to do that, and some people don't. Mm. Yeah, like that, that. I mean, I mean, that's the thing. Like, you're going to have to find a deflection technique that that fits that your personality. Mm -hmm. And 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 maybe sometimes one of the things that I've encouraged people to do at times and seen it work. I have seen this one work. Is that you've got somebody who's a, lot, a little bit timid, and what and, and and what they'll do is they'll line up a bolder, a bolder ally. And they'll say, if they come for me, will you jump in? And, and, and so, or if, if I'm getting talked over, I can't get my voice heard at this table. Nobody listens to me. And so will you make space for me? And I, I've had to do this at certain dinner parties with Marty because she's not good at making space for herself in a conversation. So she'll start to talk and people will just interrupt her right away. Just talk mm. over her. Mm. And so every now and then she'll just look at me or, or if I'm smart, I'm, I'm paying attention. 
And, and, and Marty stopped, and the other person will stop and go, no, 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 Joe, wait, 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 Marty, finish what you were saying. I want to hear it. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and so, you know so, what I'm so, thinking now is like, I wonder if I've ever done that to Marty. <laughs> everyone has done that to Marty. I really I, don't know. Like I'm sitting now thinking like- Everyone does that to Marty. Everyone does that to Marty. Why her do you think that is? Is just because of her personality type? She, she comes from a family that are um, thoughtful responders. And so in the, growing up, they left space for each other. There were silences at which a person could have time. And the rest of the world, a lot of, doesn't do that right. a lot of the time. The other thing is, is that Marty is really smart, but she's not really fast. Like it takes her a beat to figure out what she's thinking, which is just the opposite of me. Like I start, well, I, I, I start yeah. talking before I even know what I'm thinking. Right. I was going to say, like, I, I think like being with the Campolos, and I suppose I'm thinking about like you, your dad and Roman, right? In this, you're being in a very intense space where you, where there's going to be a lot of scatter shot, like boom, 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 boom. This is what I think. No, this is what I think. No, but you're wrong because, right? Mm -hmm. In that environment. She just gives up. She just gives up. Yeah, yeah. And, and again, unless, and you know, what's interesting is, is that Roman too can do this if he wants to. He's, he sometimes makes space for her. Like mm-hmm. when they go out one on one, he goes, he, he will, he will say something and then he will stop and he will go like, I'm just going to sit here. Right. And sometimes she'll pause for a minute and then she'll go like, what I'm thinking. And what I'm thinking is this. And the thing is, is that Marty will reward you if you wait. Mm-hmm. Like she has really good things to say. Yes. Um, she's really thoughtful and, and very insightful, but yeah, you yeah. have to make room. Well, so if you're that person, if you're Marty going into a Campola family gathering, or if you're, and you know that there's not going to be room made for you, the question is, can you, can you think ahead and enlist an ally and say, hey, this isn't, you know, and again, it takes a certain amount of confidence, but less to pull one person aside and say, I have a hard time sometimes when I'm talking, like getting in there. Um, could you make some space for me? Because I, I, I want to participate, but I, I, I tend to get walked on. Mm. Um, so, so all of this has to do with thinking about what you know is going to happen. And that's a great thing about family gatherings. It's like they keep coming around, the same patterns get fallen into. And, st- and, so, and so it's not hard for you to anticipate where the problems are going to emerge. And the idea is, is that if you're clear about your intentions and your intentions aren't like, I want to win or I want to blow this up, or like if your intention, if you know your intention, then you can make plans that make room for that intention. And you can come away going like, no, I didn't get to share my politics, but I did make grandma feel like, you know, I I did get to affirm her or no, I didn't, I didn't change anybody's mind about gay marriage, but that wasn't my intention. My intention was to make my little cousin feel, you know, feel like he had he had real support from the rest of the family, and boy, I was able to I was able to def- to, 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 to orchestrate some stuff where everybody was talking about his great you know job on the debate team, and he yeah, he, I could see that he felt like a million bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Bart, it just occurred to me that we could probably do a whole other <laughs> Q and A for people who are the uncle 
Yeah, yeah. But, but, but the problem is, is that if you are the uncle, nobody knows they're the uncle. That's just good. Uh, yeah, like, because <laughs> it c- could be like you're a confident, you know, humanize me listener full of ideas from this podcast and many others. And like, you know, and like you, you, you're very much living in a very intentional way and you want to spread that. And you're that person at the dinner, at the dinner table yeah, at yeah. Thanksgiving who is like, you know, intolerable because you're, you know, you're so, uh, zealous. Uh, that's interesting. So, so I've got a poem. Okay. That just jumped into my mind. I just looked it up and it's, it's a, famous poem called Invictus by William Ernest Henley, old poem. Um, It's the poem that Mandela memorized and repeated to himself over and over again when he was in prison. Um, And uh, they actually even made a movie called Invictus in which he gives the poem to to the captain of the South African rugby team um, to inspire him. But what it is, is it's a a poem about facing up to difficulty um, and, 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 and remembering that while you, there's so much about any situation, especially a family gathering, that you can't control, the only thing you can surely control is your own attitude. Um, and, and, and kind of, that, that's the only thing that you have, you, have, you have any chance of controlling. And so it goes like this. Out of the night that covers me, black as the pit from pole to pole, I thank whatever gods may be for my unconquerable soul. In the fell clutch of circumstance, I have not winced nor cried aloud. Under the bludgeonings of chance, or Uncle Joe, my head is bloody, but unbowed. Beyond this place of wrath and tears looms but the horror of the shade. And he's talking about life. He's saying like, look, life is hard, but then you die. And yet the menace of the years finds and shall find me unafraid. This is the line. It matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishments the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. There are sometimes when we're going into situations that we can't avoid and we know they are going to hurt us. And there's really, there's no escaping the pain for some people of their families. Um, the, 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 the scroll is charged with some real punishment. And yet within that maelstrom, you know, you're still the master of your, fate because you're still the captain of your soul. And so a lot of the preparation that we have to do is like, what am I going to do in this situation? What am I going to do in that situation? But the other part of the preparation is the reminder. I'm really trying to be a good person. I've, I've come through a lot. I care about people. I, uh, I'm really curious. I'm trying to learn. I'm trying to grow. I listen to podcasts. I, I, I'm a good person because I'm trying to be a good person. And that, and that's the truth about me, no matter what happens this weekend. And so if you're going into the world 
And, and, and if you're going, if you're heading home and you're scared, I, I hope some of this advice has been helpful, but, but more than anything, I, I really think it's important to look into your, to look into your, your mirror and recognize that the reason that this stuff hurts you and the reason that you worry and the reason you are trying to figure out how to do it better is because you care. And that says something really beautiful about you. And if, frankly, if you made it this far into this podcast, I know you care. And, uh, and John knows you care and we like you just for caring. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a good way to end it. Thank you, Bart. Yeah, thank you, John. And happy Thanks. Thanksgiving. And to you too. And I'll catch you on the other side on Humanize Me. To hear an exclusive extra episode every month, please go to patreon.com slash humanize me. You'll also get Bart's monthly newsletter over there and get access to some great Humanize Me merch. Our supporters on Patreon are the ones making this show happen. For more information on Bart, go to bartcampolo.org. Also, if you choose to listen to the podcast on Spotify, we have a listener poll that you can take part in every episode, including this one. So join us on Spotify. Humanize Me is produced by Katie Johnson-Smith, me, John Wright, and Bart Campolo. Hey, you could be larger than life. All right, so those are the credits. Now, who are the folks we got to thank, John? All right, Bart. This time, we want to thank Jesse Farias, someone called R.M., Nicholas Fiala, Andrew Hill, Vicky Williams, and Connie Bogdanovich. And that's all for now. All right. Well, listen, thanks to all of you. And uh, we'll see you next time.